So welcome everyone for those who are joining us today on Zoom and on Facebook and on Drisha Live uh, for this new, new class series, What does the Divine Image Look Like? Perspectives from Chazal. Uh, today's session, we're going to be discussing Torah sources that discuss humanity as created in the divine image. Chazal develop and apply this theme in a number of places, and their discussions lay bear important questions about the nature of divine image. In particular, several Talmudic passages explicitly address how the divine image maps our categories of religion, race, gender, and as they apply to the definition of humanity and in a variety of halachic areas. So this class is going to offer a close reading of the studio, so get, you know, get your... Uh, your seatbelt on, uh, virtual seatbelt on, and uh, uh, we're going to aim to better understand this timely and timeless definition of humanity. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Rabbi Dr. Shlomo Zafir. Many of you have already taken his classes, and for those new, uh, you will not be disappointed. Rabbi Dr. Shlomo Zakir teaches in the Dr. Beth Samuels High School program and the Drisha Summer Kolo, as well as the other Drisha programs. He's currently our Director of Education um, at Drisha, a postdoctoral fellow in Jewish Studies at McGill University. He received his PhD in Ancient Judaism at Yale University and was a member of YU's Kolo Elyon. Previously, he served as Director of the Orthodox Union's Jewish Learning Initiative on campus at Yale University. Rabbi Zakir is an alumnus of Yeshivat Haaretzion and Reitz, as well as the Wexner and Tickville Fellowship. He's lectured and taught widely across North America, as well as uh, as well as at Yale Divinity School, Yeshiva University, the Tickville Fund, Benot, Sinai. I have a feeling the the the, uh, the number of places has only continued since since we've gone to online formats. Uh, founder of Valera House, also Rabbi Zakir serves as the editorial committee committee of tradition and has edited two books on contemporary Jewish thought. I know I'm not the only one who's looking forward to today's session. So without further ado, Rabbi Zakir, please take it away. Okay, thank you so much, Yehudis, and uh, welcome everyone. Um, so this is a really important topic, uh, the, the topic of the divine image of Tzelem Elohim, at least I think so, um, but I'm teaching the class, so maybe I'm biased. But um, it's it's something we, we, we saw in yesterday's Parsha, and we'll look at some Sukkim and try to understand that better. But Really, this this speaks to uh, one of the most fundamental issues in in Judaism, which is um, to what extent and and why and how do we value humanity, people? What's the what's the value of a person? Um, and uh, I think the general answer is infinite value. And to the extent that's the answer, it comes it comes precisely from this source. So the next uh, four weeks we're going to be um, the next four weeks we're going to be considering a variety of topics relating to Tzelem Elohim. I think today the goal is. To look at the psukim and and see in what ways it emerges from them and a variety of approaches as to how to understand what Salam al Kim is both in Chazal and in some in some Rishonim as well. Uh, it's a bit of a tricky question. We'll we'll see what we'll discuss all of that uh, and then future classes will focus on specific uh, specific topics where Salam al Kim is applied. And as Yehudis mentioned, um, you know some of the important questions here are are uh, figuring out. You know issues of of race, of gender, of religion, and how that maps onto this issue. Because right, we value because just because we value humanity because of some Kim, that doesn't you know you have to figure out where exactly that applies. And we'll see a variety of views. Um, I think we may all have our own uh, our own preferences coming in, but we'll we'll try to figure out um, which which uh, sources in Chazal go in one direction, which go in another direction. Before we jump into the sources, I just want to sort of put this out there as as a general question for discussion. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the question being, what does Tzalem Elohim mean? What does it mean to you, or how do you understand it, or what are, we'll, we'll ask that first, and then we'll, we'll uh, make things a bit trickier, but let's start with that, and again, feel free to, to jump in, and uh, also feel free to share, uh, share your video if you haven't. We all want to see all each other's uh, Tzalem Elohims to the extent possible. Um, so yeah, what, what is Tzalem Elohim? What does it mean? What do the words mean literally? What's its broader significance? It's not a trick question. There's a there's a lot of correct answers. Well, I think I know what it doesn't mean, right? It's not exactly how we look. Okay, and why would you say that? Um, because I don't know what Hashem looks like. I'm not sure he has a look. So okay, it's got to be a little deeper than that, although that's where um, I have less to say. Okay, great. But that's, yeah, so that's a very important thing to come in, which is, and we'll see this in some of our sources, it can't possibly mean that we look like Hashem, because what, what does God look like? What would that even mean? So uh, we'll see, not, it's not fully obvious to everyone, but at least that, that's certainly one of the main 
one of the main threats. Maybe we can understand what Tzom uh, Kim means by understanding what it doesn't mean first, right? That's at least one approach. Um, okay, I, what, what do other people think? Cheryl? I think of him as, uh, or she, <laughs> whatever, as his attributes, his characteristics, the ones that are focused on on Yom Kippur that we, you know, we dot in for and say three times over and over. You're referring to the to the Yud Gimel Midos, the 13 attributes uh, uh, that we... Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that that's another possible approach, right? That I guess speaking first generally, right? That we're not talking about a physical look. We're talking about attributes, how we, we are created in a way that follows God in terms of God's attributes. Um, would you say that for, for all of God's attributes? It sounds like, Cheryl, you're saying only, only those 13, only those uh, attributes of mercy and for uh, forbearingness and, and the like. No, there's certainly rage and there's all sorts of things that happen. I mean, people are wiped out left and right. Uh, you know, he's an angry God sometimes. So, uh, but those those are the ones I like to focus on. <laughs> okay. Let's say, I, you know, the only thing we have in common uh, as people, uh, besides those at, some of those attributes is as far appearance is concerned, we all look so different. We're all a different snowflake. So I see, you know, two eyes, a nose, a mouth, hair sometimes, you know, that, that kind of thing uh, you could say, well, you know, who knows? Maybe he has a way of looking quote unquote human uh, sometime in the future. I, I have no idea. You know, we don't, we don't know. And everything we do is a guess. Okay, great. So another, another angle, which is maybe there's something physical or appearance related but we wouldn't really be able to evaluate that, but maybe we can, you know, it's possible. It's another possibility. Um, okay, great. I think what we've seen already in, in what both uh, uh, Deborah and Cheryl have said is that it gets a little tricky because as soon as you say what Samuel Kim means, you're actually talking about God and it can be hard to talk about God. We may have some things that we think couldn't apply to God or we're not sure. Or we, we just don't have access to know. And that gets, that gets a little complicated. So I think we're going to see that certainly in, in a lot of our sources today. Anyone else want to uh, share some thoughts on what Selma Kim is, what it means to them, what it can't mean. I think if I remember correctly, the word cell is a relatively rare one when it first appears in this context, isn't it? Like we don't usually have cell as a term in the Torah. Uh, so you're, you're referring to the term tselem? Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't, it doesn't appear that many times in, in the Torah. Um, although where it does apply, it's often about idols, oddly enough. So we have, uh, you know, the, there's a mitzvah to destroy, Tzalmei Masecho Sameh, and all these different slamin, right? Tzalem uh, in rabbinic Hebrew and uh, means like, a, like an idol. So it gets a little tricky, right? We don't have it too much, but we do have it about idols. So what does that do? That, that complicates things, right? It means some sort of image. Um, yeah. But it's also associated with shadow, isn't it? Like Tzal is. Tzal is shadow. Right. Tzalem, um, it's not, it's not. Uh, not the same root? I think that's the root of sale is uh, Saudi Lamed Lamed, not Saudi okay. Lamed. I don't think I don't think they're directly related. Although I wouldn't be surprised if someone made a connection between them. Okay, uh, thanks. Yeah, Sarah, did you want to say something before? Yeah, I was going to say like what distinguishes us from animals, like you like Salman Kim is using con in contrast to like Laminehu for all the other um, creation, um, which is like obviously more vague. Okay, great. You know, that's an important piece of it, right? How are humans different than animals? Tell me, okay, and of course, we're going we're to look at these momentarily, the discussion of creation. So humans are put in a different place than animals, and we have this unique characteristic of Tzalm Elohim. So we're going to look, we're going to look precisely at that, um, and, and we'll see how that plays itself out. And I think, yeah, specifically the contrast between humans and animals, um, or between Tzalm Elohim and animals will really come up. Okay, any, any other final thoughts before we jump into some of the sources? This kind of um, piggybacks on what Sarah was saying, uh, but I often think of it most strongly in terms of abilities and what we can do that relates to what we think of God doing. Okay, great. Abilities, right? Actions. Um, so as you know, it, we, we've, we've raised a whole bunch of categories, right? It could be about looks or not about looks. It could be about attributes. Um, it could be about um, sort of like being, you know, uh, your, the, your fundamental nature, or it could be about actions, right? We have a few different possibilities. Yes, Fran, you had a, uh, you wanted to jump in? Can you hear me? Yes. 
Okay, I just wondered, I agree with everything that was said, but I just wondered if, um, because for the animals, it was, it's not mentioned Zahar and Akeva, but right after the it, man is created, B'Tselem, Elohim, Zahar and Akeva, could it be male and, um, male and female attributes? Can okay, interesting. That is one thing that we're gonna we're gonna look at not this week but in future weeks the question of of gender we'll see it's a little ambiguous what it says in the psukim in terms of right uh, in terms of how gender figures into tzelmel kim so we're gonna we're gonna focus on exactly that yeah and that's interesting that um, that the animals um, aren't spelled out by gender although they do have limin limina as right. Sarah pointed out right maybe that includes gender not clear um, but humans it's spelled out like that is specifically in the context of the divine image of tzelmel kim how exactly that works is a complicated thing, both in Zatan Chumash and in Chazal. So we're gonna we're gonna spend a little bit of time on that in, in a future week. So hold that thought, but yeah, definitely an important aspect of this issue. Okay, if there's no further uh, further preliminary comments, let's jump in to the sources, and um, I'm gonna do share screen, which you have the option. You can always opt out of it. You can do exit if you like. Click on the thing at the top. You can exit share screen if you want to see faces as well. I'm gonna do that. Personally, I like uh, I like both having the screen up and half my uh, uh, ha having the handout out up on half my screen and having being able to see people on the other half. So we're going to try for that. But um, here we go. Um, it should be it should be shared and um, yeah. And uh, if there's any issue, let me know. I'm going to make it a bit bigger so people can see a bit clearer. Mm -hmm. And then we're gonna. We're going to jump in. So we start with what we read yesterday in the, in the Torah, right? Bereshit is the first parsha, the sixth day of creation. All the other things are set up, and we're lacking. Uh, well, what's lacking is first the animals, and then uh, and then uh, God. And, uh, sorry, and then humanity. Uh, my mistake. So what do we have? It says first uh, God creates animals, uh, the various types. And then we have our important two psukim here. By Yomer Elohim, God says, Na'ase Adam, let us make man. Uh-oh, who's the us? That's going to be tricky. Bitsalmenu kidmusenu. In our image, in our form. Okay, so figuring out who the we is is really important because we say in our image, right? So that makes a big difference. And what, what will this Adam do? And right, I translated Adam as man. But we're gonna have to figure out what exactly or who exactly Adam is here. Um, is it humanity? Is it a specific person? Is it a specific? Is it just a man as opposed to woman? What exactly is going on? What's humanity gonna do, or what's Adam gonna do? Adam's gonna control the fish and the birds and the animals and the crawling things. Basically, gonna be the, the control of the earth, be king of the earth. That's Pazikah Vav. And now the action, right? That was the command. That was the statement. Let's do this. As it comes in, by Ibrahim Kim, as Hadam Bitsalmo, Bitsalmo Kim Baroso, the Haran Kim Barosam, God creates Adam in his image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, really, just in these two psukim, there are so many ambiguities. I don't know if people want to. Mention a couple of them, or if not, I'll, I'll throw them out. But why don't, why don't you tell me what's what's ambiguous, what's confusing, or seemingly contradictory just among these two psukim that we read? Yeah, Yael. We can't be um, we can't be like God. So the the word the verb here demut has to mean something other than being like God. So I I think it has to do with like dimayon, mm. and so God in God is creating creating humans in his imaginings, if you will. So okay, it would be like an, an um, a prototype. What would Selim mean? On, on your reading, what would Selim mean? Well, I know in, in modern Hebrew, Litzalem, when you take a picture of something, it's a, it's a reflection of it, but it is not it. So you have a photograph, a Selim, if you will, that is... It's a likeness, but it 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 is um, it has nothing to do with the reality. Okay, so you, you would you would say there has to be still some likeness. It can't be identical. There has to be some likeness, and this gets back to one issue you have is not necessarily coming out of the sick of themselves, but coming out of 
one's general philosophical understandings of God, right? Because, um, right, if, if you think God is can't be the same as humans, so then you can't read that into the apostle. You have to understand it differently. So that's one whole set of issues, some of which we raised before, that limit your readings. Well, I'm asking also what what just internally, what's somewhat uh, self-contradictory or ambiguous just within these two psukim themselves, even if you had no philosophical, prior philosophical understanding of what God was like, what humans were like. Um, what I find, do you hear me? Yeah, okay. What I find striking here is also um, this, um, I think it's called a chiastic structure, that it's sort of a, um, a, har, um, a balance between the first part, and then like this, it's like, like this, and double, sort of, and then um, it jumps from singular to plural, right? Right. So right. that's, is it a to or what, what's this one person or the singular which he's creating, but creating twice? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, um, so yeah that's right? just one, one ambiguity. Or, yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about gender. That's, that's an important one. Is God creating man or man and woman? Or, and how are those related? What else? What else do people have? Fran? Um, when, when God creates, he doesn't create... Uh, Bidmut only in Bitsalam. Is there a difference there? Is there what's the difference? Why, you know, doesn't it mention Dumut? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? We sort of drop the Dumus, we only have the Tselem in the end. Um, and some commentators think Tselem and Dumus sort of go together. It's like this pair, like this Hendiades, you know, it's like an A with B, mm -hmm. somehow the Tselem of a Dumus. Some people think they're two different things. And in which case you'd have to figure out why it drops it off the second time, right? Great question. Um, what else? Well, one one thing. That I mentioned before was the, the plural, right? Nasa Adam Bitzalmeinu can we say new? Let us make man in our image and likeness. But then in the next pasuk, it's Vayivra Elokimis Hadam Bitzalmo, right? God creates man in His image, singular. So all of a sudden, so number number one, who's doing the creating, or who's talking about doing the creating? God plus the angels or someone else, or just God? Fine, that's one question. For our purposes, the larger question is who's Tzalim and who's Demus is it in the end? Right, because in the second passage, it sounds like it's clear, clearly the Tselem and Dmus of Elohim. Whereas in the first passage, there's a little more leeway. It could be the Tselem of God plus whoever he's talking to, right? So there's a little bit of, of wiggle room there in the first passage, but not in the second one. And, and what's, what do you do with that contradiction of, of sorts? Any, anything else before we go forward? Okay, I just thought it would be good to sort of air some of these complications in just this, these two keep sukim. Really, everything's going to ride on on those issues those interpretive issues as we'll see but let's let's jump ahead in the torah uh just a few psukim later the end of right we have the sixth day we have the seventh day shabbos hashem rests hashem is very happy to have created the whole world all the different aspects of it and then we get to parak bays and you sort of start over again and this time instead of humanity being last humanity is first and it's a little bit of a different description so source number two here parak bays pasik zayin by yitzer hashem elokim adam god creates man. Now notice it's not vayivra, right, to create, it's to sort of make. Um, a little tricky how to distinguish these verbs, right? First we had na'aseh, which might be to make, and livro, which is to create. Generally, bria is yeshme'ayin, is something from nothing, whereas asiya is not, is making something from something else, from previous matter. And here we have vayitzer, which is itself an unusual word. It, it, it's, it's presumably not vayivra. It's not creating something from nothing, but it sounds like it's a little different than just making. Maybe there's something about, uh, well, what Chazal says there has to do with the Yetzer, the Yetzer Tov, the Yetzer Hara, there's two Yuds. We'll leave that on the side for now. It's a different verb, that self is odd, but God uh, makes Adam, how? Afar min ha'adamah, takes dirt from the ground. He breathes the spirit of life into his mouth, into his nose or his face. And then, uh, Adam becomes a living being or living creature um, or a creature with a soul, depending how you want to translate that. Uh, we're not going to get into the whole complicated etymology of the term nefesh. The point here is it, this seems to be pretty different than what we saw in Parag Aleph. Number one, there's the question of redundancy, and this has been created by many people. Why does Bracious Parag Aleph have the creation story and then Bracious Parag Bayes has the creation story again? And it's a different order and different understandings of that. That's been, that's well trodden, but for our purposes, Specifically, this one pasuk, it's a different verb that's used, and it's a different process, right? It's not like God forms Adam out of this Salem or Dmus. Instead, it's about God creating Adam with dirt on the one hand, 
and uh, this breath, this divine breath on the other hand. So it's just a totally different process. Um, as far as we know, it doesn't sound like that was the process before. So what's, what's the real creation of Adam? And according to this, this Pasuk, it doesn't say anything about Sama Okim, right? We have, no, we have no reason to think, just reading this Pasuk, that Adam is created in the image of God. You only get that from the other Pasuk. So how do we reconcile these two, these two stories? Now, moving forward in the Torah, and, and we'll, we'll resolve some of these issues, not all of them, but at least some of them will come up in the different approaches. Moving on to Parag Hay. Okay, we have a sort of summary after all the stories with uh, you know Adam and Chava eating the eating the fruits and with Cain and Hevel killing each other and all sorts of other things. We now have a bit of a summary of what came before, and we do a genealogy, right? We talk about who who begat whom. Um, so Zesefer told us Adam. This is the book of generations of Adam, right? Adam's at the top, and this is his generation, the list of his generations. Beyond Biro Kim Adam, from the day that God created Adam. God created Adam in the divine image. We just throw that in there in passing. And again, we say, God created them male and female. So again, we have that ambiguity, right? Is it a singular creation in the divine image or is it male and female? Is that two separate creations? Are they both in the divine image? Uh, how does that work out? God bless them. God called their name Adam. So until this point, I thought Adam was Adam, Adam Arishon, one particular person. But now we're saying Shemam, their name is Adam. Does their name mean the first man and the first woman? Does it mean all of humanity as a whole? Does it mean something else? I think I saw this medrash when I was preparing. I didn't cite it. That says there's seven different things that are called Adam. And just gives a whole list. Adam, Adam, and Chava, Adam, and the family. This is city called Adam, whatever it is. So it's, it's, an, it's a very unclear term here. Adam sounds like it's both an individual and the name of a species or the name of a right uh, humanity and now uh, the next pasuk will will keep uh, keep uh, on our theme by Adam Adam after having lived for 130 years Vayoled Bidmuso Kitsalmo he begat he fathered a child in his image with his likeness by Krasimoshes called his name Shes we're not going to continue with reading this pasuk it goes on Shes has a child also. But it doesn't say, in fact, nowhere else in the Torah do we find people giving birth to other people or fathering other, other children with Dmus and Selim. So, right, so now we have this other question of is something special about Shays? Is, is something about Adam and Shays, maybe Chava also special, and then it gets ended um, or not? What's, what exactly is going on here? So that, that just to, to add to the intrigue, right? Because, uh, and we'll see this, you might say, Right? If, if God creates just Adam in the divine image, maybe that has nothing to do with us. Maybe that's just Adam, Adam Arishon, had some special status. We'll see there's some sources that imply that. As soon as we say he passed it on to Shase, now we have the question, is that all of humanity get the divine image passed uh, genealogically through them? Or is Shase somehow special? What exactly is going on there? So hold those thoughts, and we'll get to them in a couple minutes. Um, a one last set of psukim, this will be the main example of how halacha or how uh, Jewish law is impacted by Tzamelkin. There are several, but this is maybe the most prominent one. This is after the, the Mabul, next week's Parsha. Um, Noah is told to uh, be fruitful and multiply, to repopulate the earth, and how he'll have dominion over the animals. And just to make sure not to kill, uh, you can eat animals, but you can't kill people. There's a whole discussion about that. And other may have been vegetarian, Noah wasn't. Maybe that's why. It's an outlet for violent impulses. Maybe that's why uh, there needs to be a special prohibition not to kill people because you're killing animals. But now the most important pasuk for our purposes, shofeich, dam ha'adam, one who spills the blood of Adam, humanity maybe, Adam Rishon's dead by now, ba'adam, damo yishafeich, by humanity, his blood will be spilled. There's a lot of different ways of translating that. We may get to that in a future week. Why, why is this true? Why is it true that one who kills gets killed? Because in the image of God, God created Adam, or God created humanity. Because we're created in the, in, the, in the image of God, therefore, it's prohibited to kill, and if you kill, you get the death penalty. So this is a very complex pasuk, uh, also a little chiastic structure there, the first six words. Shofeich dam ha'adam, ba'adam damo yishafeich, A-B-C-C-V-A, for those keeping track at home. But uh, it's all predicated on Tzalem Elohim. 
right? The whole prohibition against murder sounds like it's tied to the divine image. So that's fascinating and really important. And it makes us think that Selma Elkim is not just some coincidence, or it's not just like, oh, you know, like for those who care about aesthetics, humans are in the divine image, whatever that means. No, this is definitional to maybe the most important crime, the most severe crime of murder that only exists because we're created in the divine image. So just looking at a few of the psukim that talk about Selma Elkim and, and Parshish Breshis and, and, and Noah, we already have a lot of a lot of important things that we know and a lot of complications that we need to sort out. And uh, I'll take questions uh, uh, for a couple of minutes now, uh, and then we'll move on to looking at how different Mepharshim and Chazal sort out some of these issues. So any questions or thoughts, reflections, Chidushim, other psukim that uh, we should be thinking about too? If not, that's okay. We can, we'll, we'll definitely have more things to think about as we go forward. So, um, you know, one of the first places to look when you want to understand what a term means is the Targum or the Targumim, the different translations into Aramaic. Um, uh, the Aramaic sometimes is tricky, sometimes it's less tricky. We'll see, but, but sometimes, sometimes um, Targum gives a straightforward reading, and sometimes they have a very, <coughs> excuse me, they offer a very creative uh, reading. So let's look at some of the Targumim that we have here. So source number five, Targum Onkelos, sort of the classic uh, translation. Ba'amar Hashem, this is going on on Nase, Nase, right? And the next pasuk, So how does Uncle take it? Literal word for word, right? God says, "Let us make humanity." Right? He doesn't say Adam. He says Enasha, humanity instead of Adam. But let us make humanity in our uh, image with our likeness. Literal translation, then the continuation of control of dominion over the birds, etc. And then Pasuk of Zion, Uvra Hashem, Yas Adam, Bitsalmei, Bitsalmei Okim, Barayasei, the Karnavikba, Barayason. Again, literal word for word. God, although slightly one thing that's interesting, it says God created Adam, not humanity. Here it says God created Adam in God's image, in, in the image of God, and male and female. So it seems like for Uncle, it's the goal here is explaining both how Adam was created and how all of humanity was created. But those he just literally follows, Vitzelim and Dmus. If I didn't know better, I'd think he meant it literally. We are literally in the form and likeness of God. He doesn't, he doesn't explain. Uncle usually is the first one to tell you if something is too anthropomorphic, if something is too, like, uh, too, too much attributing physical features to God, he'll be the first one to like, say, whoa, like, that's not what that means. Right? Instead of saying, um, like, uh, God got angry, he'll say, there was anger from before God, because he doesn't want to attribute even actions of, and emotions to God, um, right? Like, and physical features also generally distances himself from here. He seems totally fine with saying, so that's interesting. He seems to take the literal route. We can contrast that to some other Targum. So Targum Yonasan, um, which actually wasn't by Yonasan Ben Uziel. That's a discussion for another time, the Gemara about that. Um, but he said, it says, Bamar Hashem, and he throws in a few extra bonus words. Bamar Hashem lemalachaya, the Mishamshin Komoi, the Isbri Vyom Tinyan, Livrias Alma. He explains who God's speaking to. Right? God said, who's let us make man? It's not the us, is the malachim. God said this to the angels serving before him who had been created on the second day of creation. So it's like slipping in a couple of important facts. Number one, angels were created on the second day, um, which is fascinating. Um, uh, but he needs to explain because that's not mentioned in the Torah. And the angels are the one God's talking to. Okay, so what does God say? Let's make man... Uh, or Adam in our image with our likeness. Diukan just means uh, just means in, uh, likeness. It's a literal translation of Dmus. And then it continues in that pasuk. So so far it sounds a little literal. It sounds literal like Uncle's. But then in the next pasuk, Uvra Hashem Yas Adam God created Adam in His image. Bitsalma Hashem Barayase He doesn't say in the image of God. It says. With an image, God created him. So it's not willing to say the image of God. It's, he's willing, uh, right? Uh, Tariq Anderson is willing to say only with an image, God created him. Then he goes into some detail. The Muslim army with 248 limbs and 365 sinews, and some sort of covering over it. Moshe Chaum Le Yasebis Rabbi Idman, he filled him up with blood and flesh. 
that, that those are the details. So it sounds like it sounds like Targumianosan is unwilling to say that Adam is created in the image of God. He's only willing to say in Pasuk Avav that maybe maybe humanity is in the image of an angel, right? When God's talking to the angels, he said, let's make him in our image. Maybe, maybe humanity looks like an angel, but he's not willing to say uh, in the image of God. He's only willing to say with an image, God created him. And then he tells us what the image is. The image is a human body with however many limbs. So it sounds like he's, he's unwilling to go, to jump in, to say literally that uh, humans look like God. And the Targum Yerushalmi um, maybe is even clearer. He says, instead of saying God created, he says the word of God created, which is another distancing mechanism. You don't want to say God did something. You say the word of God did something. So you're sort of distancing God from the action. The word of God created Yas Adam Bidmuse in his image. Whose image? Bidmus. Min kadam Hashem So this is again unclear. An image from before God. Does that mean the image of God? And he's not willing to say it. Is that does that just mean that God had some image that He applied, and that's what it is? You could probably read it either way. But I think again we're seeing a little discomfort, or you know, not an unwillingness to just say literally, like like Uncleus did. Uh, literally, He created humanity in the image of God. So that's for the Targumim, and we see there's a little bit of little bit of uh, a range of views here. Um, any questions or thoughts on that? Um, if not, again, always feel free to jump in, but we're going to move forward to Rashi and some of the commentaries on Rashi, right? Another classic place to start when you want to understand a Pasuk is Rashi. So Rashi says, Nase Adam. Rashi first needs to sort out who's the we. So he says, Even though the angels didn't help God in creating Adam and you're creating room, for uh, uh, for heretics to have arguments by saying plural, let us create. It's good midos. It's good. It's good uh, character traits and maybe also good business practice for a senior person to ask the junior person for advice. So that's what Hashem's doing here. Hashem did all the work, but he was sort of uh, to be polite. He was asking the angels for some advice on what to do here. But really, it was all God. But fine. But what we know is God's talking to the angels according to Rashi. And he says, God says, Nasadam bitsalmenu. Rashi says, bitfus shalanu, kidmusenu, lihavin uhaskil. So what's a dfus? Does anyone know what a dfus is? If you're on mute, I can't hear you. Um, I, I saw someone saying something, but uh Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, jump in. Like a printing press. It's the word tfus in modern Hebrew or even medieval Hebrew means a printing press, right? It's like a form. You have a certain form that you stamp on all the books, and that's how you get the words. You get the, the words from this tfus, this form. Um, and you can also have a tfus that not just for printing, but also for a mold, right? A tfus is also the term for a mold. So if you want to make, um, if you want to make, um, uh, whatever it is, you want to make earrings. You have a mold for the earrings. You pour in the metal and you cover it up, and then it it it, uh, it cools, and then you have from your tzfus. It's not. I don't know if in modern Hebrew it's used that way, but definitely in yeah, it in, is. Uh, it in is. Ah, okay. So that's what. So let's just finish explaining Rashi. So Rashi says bitsalmenu in God's image. What does that mean? With with uh, God's tzfus, with God's form, and kidmusenu. What's the what's the what's the, what's the oh, sorry that's the tzalem. That's the that's the form. What's the likeness? Lehavin uhaskil. To understand than to be wise. Okay, so it sounds like, right, people asked before, is what's the difference between Selim and Dumas? It sounds like Rashi thinks Selim is physical form and Dumas is like the nature of the being, right, or the qualities of the being. So we are, humans are created in a certain physical form. That's how we were stuck into the, into the, uh, the press or the, the, right, and we were created like that. And we have a certain nature uh, to be understanding. So far, so good. And it's not fully clear what Rashi means yet. It's going to get clear in a second. By Ibrailuk, that's Pasuk Kafab. Pasuk Kafzayin. By Ibrailuk, he missed Adam bitsalmo. Right? God created Adam in a tselem with the form, with the tfus, with that form that God had made, that was made for humanity. Shekhol nivra b'mamar v'hu nivra b'yadayim. This is important because instead of God just saying, let there be humanity, like sort of doing it, you know, indirectly and whatever came about, came about. No, Hashem wants to come in and say, 
I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to do it with my own, uh, my own hands, so to speak, via Zion. There's a whole question about what Rashi thinks about, uh, about the divine anthropomorphism. Does God have hands or not? We'll get to that in a second. For now, let's, let's take this metaphorically. Right? God creates humanity with his own hands. Shanemar, you placed your, your hand over me. Um, it's made like a seal. Can someone read that word? It's a, it's coin, right? So just like you make a coin in like a metal press, you put right again, you have your form, you put the metal in, and then you, you take it out. It's a coin. That's how Matbea, right? They stick in the, in the Hebrew to help you out if you don't know what a coin is. Omer is I'd be turned over like a like the form a, a seal. So this is the way God made humanity, or God made Adam at least, right? He had his little, he had his uh, his his melting his his uh, melting thing. He put put the material, the raw material in, and then opened it up, and there's Adam. So that's very nice. That's part one. That's Vitzelmo. But then Vitzelmo Kimbara Oso. Rashi tells us something more. That's this is very important. Pirish uh, The Torah explained to you to Oso Hamisukanlo this. Human form that was <laughs> prepared, Selem Dukan Yotrohu, is in the form of the countenance of his creator, which sounds a lot like Adam was created in the image, the physical image of God. There's this, right? You you put the dirt into the thing, you right, you what comes out is Adam, and a new point Rashi adds here at the end, that's the image, that's the the countenance of his creator. Presumably Adam's creator is God. You have to say that. The Torah says that. Um, and to say that, there's a look. So Tselem is that Adam looks like God. So there's two things here. Number one is Tselem, the form, which is means both that God was directly involved in the process and it sounds like that God made Adam look like God. And number two, what we saw before, the Dmus, wisdom. So this is, I think, the shot reading of Rashi, the straightforward reading of Rashi. But I saw some people already shaking their heads. So uh, it's, it's a little controversial. We're going to see some com- commentators I have a little, uh, have some objections to this as well. But first, if there are questions on that, I know is holding people up. So if anyone has questions or comments on Rashi or, or other things we've done, we'll do that and then we'll go forward. Yeah, Cheryl. It does seem there's a two-step process from the very beginning to now. Because first you have uh, God creating man in the likeness of God. That doesn't mean that it's anything more than the physical form. And then later on, he breathes into man life and a soul so that it's more like a representation of God in a physical form. And I'm also wondering if God's talking about, uh, this is very controversial, the female side of himself when he says we instead of the angels. Okay. Um, Okay. So two interesting points. In terms of in terms of the uh, the two stages, so that w- that would be one possible way of reading the, the two sets of sukkim, right? That God first creates Adam in form and then breathes the life into him. I don't think you can really say that for Rashi because Rashi says in Musainu Lavin Laskil. Rashi said it sounds like according to Rashi, unless unless that only happens later. But it sounds like the plan is right now to create Adam with wisdom, and it's hard to say there's wisdom without being animated. Oh, unless you say that that's the plan and that only happens later, that would be a bit of a It'd be a bit of a delay there, but that's possible. In terms of the female side of God, um, I don't know if, you know, that, that, that concept comes up in Kabbalistic circles and other circles. I don't know if we see that in, in Shat and Chumash. So it'd be, it'd be a little hard to read that in the Pesachim here, Nas Adam. Uh, Midrashim have all sorts of things that what the Nas Adam is, maybe to the Malachim, maybe to the earth. Uh, uh, there may have been other things, but I did not see uh, any, any discussion of, of a female side. But uh, it's an interesting uh, and creative idea, and I, you know, I, I don't know. For all I know, some Kabbalistic source says it, but uh, it, it's a little hard to sustain on a shot level, certainly. Well, so putting the Kabbalah aside, you have Parakeh, which says, God created man in the likeness of God, may he him, male and female created, right there. Ah, um, so so in the English, this doesn't reflect itself, but but in the Hebrew, um, male and female are the object. Of God's creation, not they're not the creators; they're the things that are created or the beings. No, I know, I know, but that still, He created male and female. It doesn't say He first. It says He created man in the likeness, and then He said He made him male and female, created He them. So, uh, where's the female? Where 
Right, right. So 100%, this is, this is an ambiguity here we're going to have to deal with. I think we're going to focus on that in a couple weeks. But yeah, okay. 100%, that's something we need to keep our eyes on. Okay, um, other questions? Yeah, Deborah. I think you're on mute. I was thinking when um, God breathes into man, there's something very intimate about that. Um, and if there's that same sense of intimacy with Rashi, it's the wisdom that is our understanding or whatever that part of us is would be our intimate connection. Okay, great. Yeah, that's a, that's an important idea. And we also see um, Chazal, this idea of some tzaddikim, righteous people dying b'nishikah with a kiss. So you can be created with God blowing, blowing air into you and you can your life can be taken with a kiss. A, a beautiful idea. Um, we'll see something parallel to that. The idea of the intellect and the idea of the spirit and the soul may come together as well. But we'll, we'll, it'll take us a couple minutes to get to that. Um, so let's let's move forward a bit. A couple of commentaries on Rashi, I'm not going to dwell on this too much, but a couple of commentaries on Rashi are bothered by the possibility that Rashi means what he sounds like he means, which is that God created Adam in a way that looked, in a form that looked physically like God. Um, so, right, so the Divrei David, one super commentary on Rashi, just we'll read the underline, how he understands Rashi. He wanted to sort of help uh, give uh, something good to Adam, He'll have the following two qualities. He'll be a receiver uh, like the angels. He'll also be a giver. He'll be able to give staka. So God's generally a giver. Angels are generally receivers. They receive orders and fulfill them. They're not giving things of their own accord. So let us make man. Let us give Adam this dual blessing of being able to be a giver and a receiver. That's how he takes it. Uh, in Rashi, instead of taking it in a more literal way. Or the Sif Chachamim, a more well-known super commentary in Rashi. So he has a creative reading of Rashi to try to avoid this. He says, Rotzalomar, bidfus sheichino la'adam. We said God creates Adam in this tfus, in this form. So, and then Rashi also says this form, in this form, uh, Adam is made to look, this form looks like God's image. But the Sif Chachamim says the tfus means just the form that, that, that God had previously created. Well, in the Farish with Salma Shakarish Baruch, it doesn't mean it actually looks like God. God doesn't have a form or a likeness or an image. Right, this is by the Torah, the second description of it. It says you don't see any any uh, face, you don't see any any likeness, any uh, all you hear is a voice. Because God doesn't have a, a, a likeness. That's why it says the Tfus, but somehow Asui Lanu. Right, God says to the angels, our tfus, our form, which appears the samach, amilas bitsilo, bitsalmo, bitsfusa asuilo, the one that he had prepared. And now, what does he do with Rashi where he seems to say otherwise? Behad the perish Rashi, the samach, selem, diukan yotzro, right, the form of the image of his creator, which sounded very clear. But also diukan shenira lehem leneviim kishenigla lehem. Kachbara es adam. I think someone said something similar before. It's not God's actual image. It's like it's God's avatar. You might say, right? Or God's like the image that God uses to present Himself when He's on Zoom, right? That's what that's what they saw, because God doesn't actually have an image. It's just God's avatar that people look like. So it's sort of backwards, right? So God created Adam in the image that God will later appear to people in, which of course, what came first? Presumably, if there's no actual image of God, so God created Adam, however Adam is, and then God later chooses to appear as a human, make humans feel more comfortable or something, right? So it's almost backwards. The other is created like the image of God, but the image of God is really just something like fake that God God creates to appear to people. Anyway, that's so, so we see that there's you know even these Mefarshi Rashi are have a moved uh, to sort of shift away from taking it literally. Although again, Rashi sounds like he's taking it literally. There's a whole as I mentioned before, there's a bit of a controversy over whether Rashi believed that God had uh, a hand or physical you know a physical appearance. Um, I think our source may point in that direction. Although as we saw, there are other ways of understanding Rashi. And uh, just one more approach that might go in a somewhat literal way, uh, the rush, the famous Rishon, the rush, um, uh, like uh, fr from the Valley of Tosfa, so like a student of a student of a student of Rashi. This is somewhere between Rashi and the Sifzichachem we just saw. Bitzalmenu, our form, means the form that's specified for him by us, meaning the form in which we appear to him, which is the form on the Merkava. The Merkava, the divine chariot, uh, has four different faces, um, like a lion, eagle, other different animals. One of them is a human face. 
So the human face that's on the Merkava is the image from which uh, Adam was created. So again, this is similar to Sifsechagam, but maybe a bit more, maybe it's a bit closer to God's actual image if that exists, but uh, it's, he's not saying straight up, it's somewhere, it's somewhere uh, a bit weaker than that. Let's look at, at some other uh, commentaries, some other Mepharshim here. Um, we're gonna have to do some outside for reasons of time, but you should all have the handout uh, if you wanna go into more detail. <clears throat> so the Ibn Ezra quotes someone, certainly a Karaite, according to a footnote I saw, who has this very creative understanding of the Pasuk. He reads, Nasa Adam, not as let us make man, but as, not as like a, uh, like a let, right, uh, uh, whatever, the grammar is a, a cow in the, in the future first person. Instead, he reads it as Nasa in the Nifal, let man be made. Nasa Adam, man is made. Um, and, and then, Bitsalman's Mus, that's sort of like a Moshe, he says, Moshe sticks it in later to clarify what this means. Um, but the point is, it's not actually referring, God's not, number one, God's not saying, let us do anything with the angels. And number two, it's not necessarily the actual form of God. Ibn Ezra doesn't like that at all, um, for both grammatical and, uh, I think, uh, like philosophical and other reasons. But that would be another way out of our issue, right? If, if, you, if you're worried about the idea of God creating Adam in, uh, in the divine form, if you sort of say that that's not really what it means, and the Pesukim, those, you know, the Salman's Wiss is added in by Moshe later, that's not what it really means, um, that, would be, that would be a way out of that. Um, and actually, Rav Yosef, of course, sure, has an approach similar to the, the approach that, that the Ibn Ezra rejects. Um, so he, he says, what does Bitsalmenu mean? Bitsalmenu, Kidmuseinu, what does that mean? Shehi mi'uyemes. Yos Moshe v'shalit al-kol. What does it mean to create in our image? It means... Just like God and angels are imposing and scary, right? You don't, you don't mess with God or the angels. So too, humanity, people are imposing and scary compared to the rest of the world. Where does that idea come from? Why, why would you interpret it that way? Is it because man commands all the other animals on the earth? Yeah, that comes from that. And not just that idea in, in theory. Why is that idea particularly relevant here? It's the end of the Pasuk, right? It says, and then what? But if we, if we create humanity in our image, then humanity will be able to have control over the sea. So this is one idea. This idea of Sam doesn't mean anything more than that a humanity will be sort of the uh, king of the uh, king of the earth or something like that, the most powerful being. It doesn't mean anything about the look of the nature. All it means is that our humans can be robots for all we're concerned. It would still be in Sam Kim because Sam Kim for these purposes just means being in control, being in power. So that's the first approach he has. We'll, we'll see other people, or Sajigon and others, take a similar approach. Then at the end, he throws out another idea. Um, this is, again, it's a, it's a little bit cheating, right? Say, God created Adam in his image, namely in the image of Adam, in, in Adam's own image, right? Anything you create, you're creating it in its image, but that's all the Torah means. So what does it mean that it says, So, uh, so yeah, he's like he's like God, or not really even God. The maybe he's like Elohim can mean a judge or a powerful being, right? So maybe it's not nothing to do with God at all. Kim doesn't mean in the image of God. It means being imposing like a judge. That's that's a new translation, um, a new translation that he's suggesting. It's, again, it's a way to get out of the issue of what does it mean to look like God. It's not about looking like God at all. It's about being imposing. It's about having control over the world. And it might not even mean God at all. It might just mean, it might just mean uh, uh, Chol, right? Elohim as a, as a powerful being. Some approaches focus on, uh, on the Malachim. The Rashbam says, God says to the angels, uh, And then he spells that out again, right? Just means being in the form of angels, not in, any, not, in, uh, not in the form of God, but in the form of angels. What does that mean? Angels have a physical form. Not everyone believes that. The Raman doesn't believe that, but the Rashbam does. So whatever the physical form of angels, that's what humans will look like. Um, fine. And fine. So, uh, so others take that approach too. We saw that you have authority or dominion. Sort of Sajigon says that the Chizkuni says that as well in one of his approaches. But let's move to two final approaches among the Rishonim. Um, one will attribute to the Ramban and one to the Rambam, both very important thinkers. Um, Ramban, Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu, what's white Salam and Mus? What do they what do you need both? Humanity will be similar on both counts. Humans are similar physically to the earth from which we, uh, from which we come. But spiritually, 
were similar to those above. What are the beings above? The beings above are God and angels. God and angels are non-physical and therefore they don't die, right? All physical things come to an end at some point. This is uh, one of the basics of medieval philosophy. All physical things come to an end. Spiritual things can live forever. So humanity is a combination of the two. On the one hand, we have physical bodies from the dirt, from the ground. And on the other hand, we have a soul. And the fact that we have a soul, the soul can never die. So we're this hybrid a hybrid creation of humanity. Um, and then, when it says, So why do we emphasize we're, we're created in the image of God? We're so much better than other creations because we have this divine aspect to us. But it doesn't mean we're literally in God's image or anything. It just means we're, number one, we have a non-physical aspect, like a soul. And number two, we're really awesome, like uh, like God. But it doesn't mean we're not like God in any in any specific way. It's just this real, it's this general it's almost like you know you want to exaggerate you say oh they're like god they're like god which means we're really have all these wonderful things um and he says selem is kemotar i mean selem is like an appearance meaning but that's um whereas dmus is dimion bitsuru vimasa meaning selem which is we come from the ground that's our physical aspect so that's selem is actually how we look our physical form comes from the ground but our dmus is our our nature right dimion is what we're like what what it is to be like a human meaning what our fundamental nature is and that's based on surah, our form. Maybe it has something to do with the shape. Um, but it's, it's also about action. It's really about what our being is like. And that we have, uh, that we get from, that's similar to the angels and God. That's our soul. Um, so he has this, right? And then he says, In that way, we're somehow similar both to what's below and to what's above. We're somewhere, right? We're somewhere caught between the two worlds. And right, I think this idea comes up a lot in Musser. People say, right, you can be like an animal or you can be elevated like a like a like a god or, or like God, or at least like an angel. Right? And that's part of the challenge here. Again, the Ray Kanadi has a similar idea, and we even find something similar in Bracious Rabbah back in Hazal. Um, we're not gonna be able to read this whole thing inside, but basically it talks about how Arabo Arba Brios Milamala, the Arba Milamat. Four aspects of humanity are above, are elevated, are uh, angel-like. And four are below, are lowly, um, right? So we can, whatever it is, we eat, eat, drink, uh, procreate, uh, and, uh, you know, produce waste matter like an animal and die. And on the other hand, we stand like angels, we speak like angels, we have knowledge like angels, we see like angels, and, right? Animals don't see in the same way that humans see. You can read through it in detail uh, another time. But the point is, there's this dual aspect to humans, partially angelic, and that's the soul, and partially uh, you know, earthly and physical. So that's what the Selim and Dmus are about. Now, the Rambam has a slightly different approach. The Rambam isn't so caught up in this idea of soul uh, in general. For the Rambam, the soul really is a very specific thing. Um, so let's let's take a look. And really, Rambam has earlier sources as Medrash Agada, Bitzal Menushiyelo Ruach means you have a life force. Having wisdom, similar in in some way, it's a divine wisdom. That's the Medrash Haggadah there. We saw Rashi already pointed out that uh, Dmus means wisdom. Maybe Rashi actually saw that Medrash. Sounds similar. But what does the Rambam say? The Mor Nebuchim uh, points out, um, trying to figure out what we should read. He, he emphasizes this idea of wisdom. Let's, let's jump to the second paragraph here in Source 22. There's one thing that humans are unique in. No other being under the moon has this quality. Intellectual comprehension. It's nothing to do with anything physical. It's nothing to do with any of the senses or arms or legs. It's totally in the mind. And for the Rambam, the mind is not physical. The brain has nothing to do with the mind. Uh, maybe it happens there, maybe not. But it's totally detachable. Just like God doesn't have any physical thing holding it, God. Right, God just is this mind out there, this this uh, intellect. So our our what, the, what what other people call soul, the Rambam says our our intellectual capacity, which is not tied to our body, is divine in that way. Right, it's totally not physical. In Eno Dimion Be'emes, okay, it's not a true comparison because you can't really compare anything to God. But Avolinir Minadas Trila, okay, at least as far as we can tell at first glance, our minds, our right, our intellect is similar to God. God in that way. This 
divine aspect of humanity, namely the brain, the, or the mind, I should say, the brain is a physical thing, right? The mind, that is, uh, that's Tzalem Elkim. Moshe Hashem is Barach Guf, not that God has a body or, or a, a, an image. There's no, there's no way of depicting God in any form. Uh, God is just a mind. So when we say, Ein lo dmus haguf, the Eino Guf, right? This is the, this is the, uh, uh, the Rambam, that, that comes from the Rambam, Yigdal comes from the Rambam, based on the Rambam, and it's based on this line and what's similar to it, right? That God has no physical form. The, the, the nature of God that we're talking about, the dmus of God, is the mind, God's intellectual capacity, and humans have a similar thing. Um, find Rabbein Rechayi, B'Tzalmo, Inyan Tzalmo HaSagah Sichlis, intellectual comprehension, and again, the Rambam says it can't be fully similar. You can't really compare, but it's close enough of a comparison that it's worth mentioning. The Rambam has this problem generally, because the Rambam really thinks you can't say anything about God. It's called negative theology, right? You can only say what God isn't, but then the Torah, like, spends a lot of time saying what God is. So everyone's say, well, it's not really the same. It's like what you might think at first glance, or it's a, it's a metaphor. It's not literal. It's the God's not not that. So there's a whole, Rambam spends a lot of time doing footwork around those issues. Here he has it too, but the basic point is clear, right? We're similar to God. Our, our Tzema Kim is from our intellect. Um, and Meshach Chachma has an interesting spin on this. The Meshach Chachma takes it in a specific direction. Our divine image is not just our mind, but it's our mind uh, and our will and our ability to have free will. That's what gives us, that's, a, that's our Tzalem Elohim, the ability to have free will, um, which I guess he would say animals don't have. There's actually a big machlokas among Jewish thinkers, whether animals have free will or not. So this view, few, only humans have free will. That's how we're better than animals. Um, interestingly, the Sfarno says, Kinnusenu uh, means we are similar to, to uh, angels in that we have ability to act and to decide in our actions, although we're not really similar because we have free will and angels don't have free will. So it's a little tricky. Um, okay, but what we've seen is a few different approaches to what exactly this means, right? What is Tzalem It could be a literal approach, although we saw some people didn't like that so much. It could be a lot of other things. It could mean having a soul. It could mean having an intellect, different variations of that. It could just mean that we're similar to angels, not really similar, uh, not really uh, in the image of God. It might just be we're in the image of man, which doesn't really say anything. Um, so there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different approaches. I think s- uh, several of which, or many of which, are influenced by this idea, this philosophical idea from the Ramam, from others, based on certain psukim, that God doesn't have a form. God doesn't have an image. What would it mean for a person to be in the divine image? That's, I think, one challenge that people are grappling with. The other challenge is, even if one thought God did have an image, right, and certain Kabbalistic ideas seem to indicate God has an image, and Ramban, let's say, would may have been on, on board with that, um, but who says that humans can be comparable to God? Right, there's two different issues here. Number one, does God have an image? And number two, let's even say God did. Still, the Pasuk in Yishayo says, Can you compare me to anything? Does that make sense to compare God to humans? Right? So one of the solutions here is to say, well, God's not like the humans, or humans aren't like God, but angel, humans, humans are like angels, and angels are like God. So you sort of add a middleman, and that somehow helps on some approaches. Right? The idea that God's not physical, angels are not physical, humans are like angels. The more you distance it, the easier it is to maybe make that jump. Although I think if you're a pure Maimonidean, you'd object to all of that as well. Um, and that's where the Rambam has to say it's not actually similar, just sounds like it's similar. It looks similar, but it's not really. Um, okay, Yael, we'll take your question and then we may have to wrap up. We have to, yeah. My, my question is, how, how did you make that jump that angels are like God? Um, so the Rambam talks about this actually. Um, the Rambam, right, I'd say both Rambam and different Kabbalistic sources, but the idea of angels, both angels and God, are, well, for the Rambam, really, angels are an extension of God, to be more precise. Angels carry out the actions of God. Um, on certain Kabbalistic approaches, angels are intermediaries, and there's different spheros, and somehow, like, the highest level casts off a second-order sphero to a next-order one. We're not going to get into that now, but angels are, are part of that process of uh, emanations from God, and if you have enough emanations, somehow those angels can affect the earth, right? Because that's the parallel problem of how can God have anything to do with earth? How can God affect what's going on here if God is totally transcendent? And the answer is with either with angels or with spiros. And you somehow that you need a you need a jump from like I don't know from outer space or the outside of this world into this world. One way that some think you can do that is with a series of emanations, angels or planets or other things that sort of get you closer. We're not used to thinking in this way. It's a pretty uh, medieval uh, metaphysic, but many, uh, just about all Rishonim had some version of this. Both Kabbalists and rationalists had some understanding in this vein. Um, 
but yeah, you have to you have to see angels as similar in, in the sense they come from God, therefore they must be similar, and uh, they emanate from God in that way. But I don't want to get too bogged down in that. Um, well, let me just summarize quickly because we're a bit over time. Let me just summarize very quickly the who is Adam uh, piece here is the question we raised before. Uh, when we talk about God creating Adam in the image of God, is that just Adam or Rishon, the first Adam, or is it everyone? And maybe it's Chase also, but maybe just the two of them. So for example, Dvaram Rabbah has this line where Adam is like, uh, has a, uh, uh, is like arguing with Moshe, and he says, well, I'm greater than you because I'm created with Selim Elohim. And the implication is Moshe is not. But what does that even mean, right? Because Moshe is human, right? Um, and a pretty good human at that, but maybe that that this Medrash is reading it that really only Adam or or Adam more than the rest of humanity is created in the divine image. Or the Kuzari has this idea that um, there's like two different levels of humans, and we'll get to this in a future class. It'll be troubling for some, um, uh, for for uh, certainly for many later thinkers. That um, there's some like Adam is created with some Elohim, he passes that on to Shays, and then there's a few other people it's passed on to, and then to the Jewish people. But it's not like all humans are with some Elohim. So the question of how broad your Tzalem Elohim is, is by no means consistent. And the Kuzari is consistent with the Kuzari's view of sort of seeing, uh, uh, you know, Jews as a supreme race, that, which is, again, troubling uh, in many perspectives. That, that ties with, uh, with his reading here. The last thing we'll, we'll end with, uh, and again, there's a lot more to look at in all these places, is um, there's an argument that's been made by Yair Lorberman, who wrote a book called In God's Image, where he talks about all these issues. He argues that Chazal really take a more literal approach. Um, we're not going to have time to get into this now. We'll definitely see some of his examples going forward. He has different uh, different sources and different uh, different. Uh, he primarily works in Tanaitic literatures, different Tosefta's, Mishnahs, Midrashim, that that indicate that there's something, there's some actual, you know, that there's actual correlation between the way humans look and the way God looks, whatever that means. That obviously assumes that Chazal think that God looks a certain way, which certainly Rambam. Uh, all Rambam followers would have a very big problem with, but the, the theory he says is, is let's say, looking at uh, source 33, um, the Rabbi Akiva talking about the idea that murder is prohibited because of Akiva Tzalem Adam, and he says, um, if you murder someone, you are annulling the divine image. That's how he interprets that passage. So what does that mean? He wants to take it literally. If you kill a person, you're destroying that divine image, the, that, the image of that person, which actually is the divine image. And in some sense, you're hurting God by destroying, by destroying a manifestation of that. Again, there's many reasons why one might object to that on philosophical grounds, but uh, he's trying to read, I guess, shot in these chazals, and there might be an argument there. In any event, we're going to revisit some of these issues going forward, but I thought it was good for, uh, to start off with, to look at the psukim, look at the, look at sort of the core texts, and see how both chazal and rishonim try to negotiate between you know, the different things, there's a lot of tensions internally to the text. There's a question of what, you know, what do we understand about God and how do we understand that? And how does it apply to people? Um, and a lot of different theories of what Selim Elohim is uh, that we've found here. And uh, going forward in the weeks ahead, we'll apply that in specific case studies and in specific instances and see uh, how this manifests itself. Um, I'm happy to take questions now, but also people should feel free uh, to go. We're a couple minutes over, but thank you all all for, uh, for listening and participating and looking forward to continuing the learning ahead. Um, and again, any questions? I had a question with the Ramban and not the Rambam, very specifically the Ramban. Um, if the Ramban is saying that Demut is, um, like within Demut is knowledge, we have knowledge like angels, what, how, how does the Ramban um, understand um, Adam and Chava eating the apple? Like how does that transform knowledge? Okay, so I think that uh, we could get we could really get caught up in that whole story, which is a whole other story in itself. I think the Rambam sees that as really transformational in terms of human understanding and knowledge. I yeah. don't think Ramban sees it as as having that same role. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's yeah. So I think you know I, uh, I'd want to check to be sure, but offhand, I think that's the simple answer, which is okay. They made a mistake, they got kicked out, but it didn't it didn't fundamentally transform human nature the way the Rambam seems to think. All right, thank you. Other other questions or, or uh, thoughts? Oh, well, and I'm seeing now that there were some, I didn't see the uh, chat before because I think the way I was sharing screen. Um, so there may be something here or maybe not, but feel free to ask now um, if you have further questions. Okay, yeah, Zoe, I see you said you shared the gracious Rabbah about day two and creating the angels. So that's presumably where where the uh, Targum Yonasan got that from, um, about God's Midos being male and female. Right, so that, again, those are Kabbalistic ideas. Um, 
which you know could be very interesting. It's a bit hard to read them into pshat in the uh, pshat into chamish. Uh, the idea of knowledge. Okay, so the, the idea of if you know God, that you would be God. I saw one of the mafarshim actually says that explicitly. He said, "What does it mean for humans to be like God? If, if to be like God means you have some of God's understanding, then that would make you God automatically, which is again something one could quibble with, but what many philosophers believed. If you could really understand God's essence." Um, or be similar to it in any way, that would make you God. So then they have to say, well, it doesn't really mean that you have it. It's similar, it's parallel, but it's not exactly the same. You need to, you need to distance yourself in order to, to solve that problem. Um, okay, other things, someone raised the issue of, of Lilith um, or Lilith, uh, Lilith. So yeah, so, so, um, there's a medrash I didn't include that says, fascinating medrash, on the idea of Shays. Adam gives Adam fathers Shays. It says, Vayol bit musokit salmo. Why did it say it there? What about like as opposed to something else? So it says, yeah, as opposed to in the meantime, between Kain and Hevel and Chase, Adam had a lot of other children, except that they were all demons and like halflings and whatever you want to call them. Um, so so Chase uh, was in was in uh, Selamelokim, but there were all these other demons that were created. That's not the same as the Medrash about Lilith, that she was, I think, um, some demon impregnated Chava, and that's how Lilith came about, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there's there's a lot of midrashim about people who are not or beings that are not fully human because they're not fully in Selim Elohim. So that's that's sort of an interesting piece that ties into what we're doing too. Um, but I, I didn't want to get into that too much. And then I see Chachma, wisdom was with God before creation. So that's a fascinating idea. We find that idea in Philo. We find that idea in, in some other early texts. But the idea of of wisdom being with God, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean God's distinct from wisdom? Presumably you can't mean that. Um, so there's a whole, yeah, we're not going to spend time on that here. Actually, I, I'm, next semester I'm teaching at McGill, I'm teaching a course on the divine will. So we spend a lot of time on looking at Philo, looking at the Rama, I'm looking at even some texts in, in other religious traditions about the idea of, of uh, wisdom being a part of the divine will and being involved in creating the world in one form or another. Um, okay, are there other final questions or thoughts? Okay, well, it's been a pleasure learning with you. And Yehudas, do you have some things to, to share? I do. Thank you so much for that nice segue. <laughs> and thank you so much for this class. This was really interesting. And everyone, thank you for joining us on Zoom and on Drisha Live and on Facebook. Uh, be sure don't miss out on any of our other fall classes that continue tomorrow with Dr. Shauna Strauchik at 1 p.m. Eastern uh, on the laws of kosher and Jewish-Gentile relations. And Rabbanit Leah Sarna is going to be at 8 p.m. tomorrow Eastern um, on Kavod Mace and Kavod Habrio. So since inception, uh, Drisha's mission has been to create programs and classes that provide value to our community through intellectual and, and thought-provoking classes like Antanah, a Jewish thought, and Halacha. Uh, in light of the challenges of COVID and implications of social distancing and this renewed attention to issues of inequality and discrimination, this semester, you'll notice many of our classes, uh, like this one, are organized around the concept of human dignity and divine image in Tanakh and Talmud, and to help us gain insights into the world and our role in it. So I do hope that you'll come learn more with Drisha, learn more with us. If you haven't yet registered for any of these upcoming classes, there's still time for a full list of courses. Please visit our website, www.drisha.org forward slash classes. Zoom and Facebook and the Drisha Live links are all posted in each class. And if you want to catch up on any of the first sessions of the other classes, you can also find them on our website, drisha.org. In the top toolbar, just hover over online library and click on the option for recorded classes. I just want to thank you again, Rabbi Zuckier, for this really great class. And I'm happy to have had this opportunity to sit in on the class with you on the Drisha side. Chodesh uh, Tov, everyone. And I hope to see you all same time, same place next week. Um, and hopefully even online in our other online classes very soon. Be well.